0: Hello everyone, and welcome back to the BMW Blog Podcast. This is episode 24, and we're doing things a little bit different this time because uh, we're going to record it as well, video record it, so you can watch it on YouTube. Um, it just adds another uh, streaming service or you know uh, channel with which to listen to our podcast. You can so all the same audio channels are going to be there, uh, services rather. So you have Google, uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, all the whatever the hell they're all called. So you can listen there as well, but we're also going to have a video version on YouTube. So you can look at my ugly mug while, uh, you, while you listen to what we have to say. Um, but anyway, aside from that this week, I think we have an interesting interesting show because there are some really fascinating topics, uh, one in particular that I'm really excited to talk about, um, one of which is going to be the BMW i4 uh, and the 4 Series Grand Coupe, so that's kind of like one topic. Then we're going to talk about the M4. So that's a separate topic on its own, even though it's still based on the 4 Series. And then lastly, I want to talk about the BMW X8. That really fascinates me. Um, and that, that was big news earlier in the week, so we really want to talk about that. So there's actually a lot to break down there, and I'm excited about that. Uh, so let's get started, though. So let's jump right in and talk about the i4 and 4 Series Grand Coupe. So uh, a render recently came out based off of the i4 concept. And it was for the four series grand coupe it was a render of the four series grand coupe but it was based on the i4 concept because they're going to be essentially the same car the i4 is going to be an electrified version of the four series grand coupe in a nutshell you know it's a little more complicated than that but that's really the basis of it so they're both both going to be based off of the you know four series grand coupe four series chassis both going to be based off of the grand coupe body styles um, and then the i4 is going to have a little bit of, you know, few electrified touches to differentiate it from the standard car. So, you know, it'll have like, uh, you know, plastic grill rather than, you know, an actual functioning grill. And then there are going to be sensors behind there. And it's going to have some, probably some like little blue touches here and there. Just to differentiate it to show that it's an electric car. But both are going to look about the same. And the reason we bring that up is because of the render that came out of the 4 Series Grand Coupe um, based off of the i4 concept. It looks quite interesting um, the design has some really good elements to it I think the i four concept is actually a pretty good looking car uh, as far as concept cars go it's well proportioned it's kind of sporty looking it's athletic looking it's but it's also kind of sleek and, and modern a little bit minimalist and I like that I really like the flush door handles they're really nice even though I doubt they make it to production because they probably just they just never do um, but I think that, no matter how good the rest of the design is, fans are only going to see the enormous grill that's all they're going to see, and the reason for that is well one it's huge, and you can't miss it, but the other is that it's so wildly disproportionate. so the grill is enormous, and the rest of the car is sort of just a normal sized car, but the grill looks just way too big, like on the x7, the BMW x7 that was really heavily criticized for how big its grill was or is but the car's huge the x 7s enormous it's the size of a mountain so its grill sort of works it's still strange looking but it sort of works but when you have a grill that's bigger than that on a car that's much smaller that looks weird now right so that's that's the the four series the upcoming four series problem so this grill is just too big and when you saw the render A lot of it looked pretty good. The headlights looked pretty good. They were, like, kind of sleek, and obviously it's just a render, so that's not what the car's going to look like, but the point I'm trying to make is the render actually looked pretty good outside of the grill. but the huge, I don't want to say ugly, because, you know, what the hell do I know about style, but most people find it really quite ugly, and so you have this huge, ugly grill that takes away from everything else. The rest of the car could be beautiful, but no one's going to care because of the gigantic grill, and it's going to just completely dominate the design. And that's sort of a shame because I think it's going to be a good looking car when it comes out. I mean, we've seen spy photos of the 4 Series Coupe, and that looks really good. And Grand Coupes always look good, they always look better than the, the regular Coupe. So I think the, the, the 4 Series Grand Coupe and the i4 are going to be handsome cars aside from their grill, but no one's going to care because that grill is just too big. It's just too damn big. And there are a couple of reasons for why it's big. Uh, and all of them have to do with the Chinese market, <laughs> from what we've been told. Um, China is BMW's biggest market, right? It's it's every premium uh, car company's biggest market. And in China, big grills are preferred. Uh, they just like bigger, bolder designs, it seems to be, in the Chinese market. Um, it just, I mean, BMW isn't the first to do it. Audi's been doing giant grills for a while now, Mercedes-Benz giant grills for a while now, Lexus, Lexus is the biggest, uh, offender of them all, the, I mean, the first, they were the first ones to really come out with a massive grill, they, they called it the Predator grill, because it had like those prong, it looked like it had like those prongy things, like the Predator from the 80s movie, um, but, you know, Lexus was the first to do it, so BMW isn't the first to do it, but they might, it might be the most, uh, egregious, uh, offense of all of them, because BMW had a famous, iconic grill, one that was more iconic than any other brand's grill, except for maybe Jeeps. Um, you know, it's just an absolute icon of a grill, a complete design icon that is now kind of butchered to be this huge thing. They've kind of just grafted this face on. Um, and it, it, it really is freaking people out, but it seems that that's what the Chinese market wants because they like big, bold grills. So it seems that BMW is just giving them what they want because it's their biggest market, it's BMW's biggest market. So they, the, the brand needs to kind of, it sort of has to tailor its cars to their market because that's who buys their cars the most. Um, but another reason is, and it's also with the Chinese market, uh, brand recognition. So even though the Chinese market is the biggest automotive market in the world, it's also one of the newest. So you know, 25 years ago, the Chinese automotive market was tiny. You know it was really small now all of a sudden it's enormous and brands don't have the recognition that they do there because the the market's so new so you know brands like Mercedes-Benz take Mercedes-Benz for example Mercedes-Benz has been known as the the maker of luxury cars you know across the world since what the 40s and 50s I mean it's been one of it's probably the most famous luxury car maker in the world um, and it has been so for decades and decades but not in the Chinese market because they just haven't been buying cars for that long. So brands now see this new opportunity to to push their brand on that market, to push their brand on its customers, to say, here we are, here's our brand, here's our design language, this is what we are, and really kind of shove it down their throats a little bit. And big grills are a way to do that. You drive down the street, you see that gigantic four series grill, you're gonna know instantly that's a BMW, right? So BMW's trying to really build that reputation as well as Mercedes-Benz and Audi and all the other brands, all the other luxury brands that sell there. And they're really trying to develop brand recognition in a market that doesn't have a lot of it. So that's another big reason from what we've been told, you know, we're not in those board meetings, we don't really know exactly, but from what we've been told, that's sort of, uh, that that's really the gist of it. So those two, those two reasons really. Uh, so the, the design though, I think is gonna dominate the 4 Series Grand Coupe with the i4 and that's going to lead to a lot of customers it's going to be a shame I think because I think the rest of the car is going to look quite good and customers are, aren't going to get over the grill they're not going to be able to see past it because it's, it's well maybe physically they won't be able to see past it and another thing I think it ruins the proportions of the front end of the car so you look at you know the 4 Series spy photos and the nose looks rather sleek uh, at the front it kind of you know it's, it slopes low down to the front it looks pretty sleek and that's with camouflage over it. But the moment you see the grill in those spy photos, the moment the the camo started to come off and you could see that grill, it all of a sudden visually makes the front end seem so much taller, almost truck-like, SUV-like. It's so tall, and because of that, it sort of ruins the proportions, the, oh, the very good proportions that are there. Visually, uh, physically, it's not any taller, obviously, but it's it just looks it looks so much taller. It gives it this truckish front end like it has a big suv grill and that sort of ruins the the otherwise pretty car i think without those grills it would be a very pretty car so it's sort of a shame that it has such a big grill i know we've been talking about this for weeks and weeks and weeks now and it's sort of getting old but uh it just keeps coming out you know new spy photos new renders the conversation just doesn't seem to want to die so we're we have to keep talking about it obviously but um it's certainly a polarizing topic. It's certainly one that's not going to go away until we see it, but it's also one that I think we should kind of try and avoid for a little while. I know it's not going to go away. It's going to kind of be in our face for a while. But maybe we should try and avoid it because there's no sense in fighting it. The, the grill is going to be here. It's going to, It's coming. It's on its way. So we need to just see it for real in the flesh, uh, and, and in person too, not just in pictures. We need to really get up, up close to it, see how it's uh, it works on uh, the proportions in real life. You know, in real world, in the real world and really get a better idea of what it looks like that way before we really start passing judgment. And uh, I'm, That's coming from a person who, on record, doesn't like the new grill. So uh, if I can say it, then I th- think everyone else can. So maybe we should hold back on all the criticism until it actually comes out. However, that does lead me to the M4. It's so a nice segue there. So the M4 is obviously going to be the M version of the 4 Series. And when that car debuts, it's going to have a similar grill. To the four series, Grand Coupe, and i4 that we've seen, the concept for all those massive grills gonna have a similar one, but it's going to be slightly different. I think the the surrounding trim is gonna be gone. It's gonna seem like it's sort of like cut and stamped into the front end, um, which is an interesting design. It's something we've seen already in some like, leaked photos from the, uh, the M4 um, uh, from the factory actually, but it's so it's gonna be a little bit different. But I, I also think it's n- Forget the actual design of the grill. I think it's going to work better on the M4 because I think the rest of the car is going to be so good. And not just its design. I think the rest of the actual car is going to be incredible. Like the actual physical, mechanical side of the car is going to be wonderful. And I think because of that, people are going to say, all right, it has a weird grill, but who cares? <laughs> the car's so damn good. Um, it's going to be like the reverse Alfa Romeo where the, it's, you know, the, the Alphas are so sexy. But they have so many mechanical issues. But you're willing to overlook it because they're so damn good looking. I think it's gonna be the reverse. So the M4 is gonna be so good to drive that people will overlook its absurd grill. Now, the reason I say that is because underneath the skin, the M4 is gonna be a really impressive car. We've already driven a lot of the 3 series models. You know, all of them. The regular G20 3 series, you know, the 3, which I think we tested the 320D or whatever's in Europe all the way up to the M340i, and all of them have been excellent. The M340i especially seems like there's so much more there, like there's so much more chassis, uh, you know, capability there, because it's so fast, and yet it seems like you're not even scratching the surface of what that car can do, chassis-wise, dynamically, what it can do. So, you get the M division involved, and I think you're going to get a really exciting car, just from a dynamics perspective. But then you add in the configuration, what the M4 is on paper, and that's when things get really interesting. So, We know that the M4 is going to be powered by an S58 engine. So the S58 is the M version of BMW's B58 that we've seen in the M340i and cars like that. The S58 we've driven in the X3M. Now in its base form, it makes 473 horsepower, which is what it's going to make in the, from what we understand, what it's going to make in the base model M4. There's going to be a competition model with like 503 horsepower, and that's amazing. But it's the 473 horsepower base version we want to talk about. Because that one is going to have rear wheel drive and a manual transmission option. So you're going to be able to get in 2021 or whatever it goes on sale, 2020, late 2020, early 2021, you're going to be able to get a two-door BMW M coupe with rear wheel drive, a straight six engine at the front, and a manual gearbox in the middle. That's the old school quintessential M car recipe, and we're going to be able to still get it even in today's modern world of you know crazy engines and hybrid tech and dual clutch transmissions. You're still going to be able to get that old school BMW recipe, and it's the only one in its class. If you look at everything else that the M4 is going to compete with, C63 AMG, Audi RS4, Alfa Romeo Giulio Quadrifoglio, all those cars automatic only uh the audi has a v6 and it's a good v6 but it's kind of just a regular it's fast but it doesn't sound that great it's just a kind of generic fast v6 uh, the amg is a v8 and it's amazing but it's also it doesn't have that motorsport y feel it kind of feels more like a, a german muscle car which is awesome in its own its own regard i love the c63 but it doesn't have that old school motorsport feel and then the alpha again brilliant engine but it just sort of has this like generic-y powerful v6 feel to it. Uh, it's a brilliant engine. I I love the engine, but it's 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 not that old school motorsport straight six. I think the S58 is the better engine. I've driven both. So I think the S-58 is a is the, the best engine in its class. And um when you pair that with a six speed manual and rear wheel drive and a two-door BMW, that's that's it. That's what everyone wants. So I think that's gonna be a very special car. I think that's going to be a car that fans really 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 want they really get excited for and it's going to strike up a lot of passion because of what it is it's going to be so fast it's going to sound great because the s58 does sound great and it's going to be really dynamic we can already tell that the chassis is going to be great just from what we've driven in other three series and stuff like that which is you know the chassis that it's based on um it's going to be a really really good car to drive it's going to be rear-wheel drive or at least have the availability of rear-wheel drive and i think it's going to be a really exciting car and i think it's going to be so good in fact that people are going to say, all right, it's got a funky grill and it's weird looking, but I'm willing to look past that. I'm willing to overlook the weird grille uh, because it's so damn good to drive. And again, it's like the reverse Alfa Romeo. I love the Julia Quadrifolio. I think it's an incredible car. Uh, and, and admittedly, it's fantastic to drive. It really is. And it's gorgeous to look at. But it's a nightmare to own. It's an absolute, I had one for four days on testing, like two things broke. It's an absolute reliability nightmare. Um, but I love driving it. And I think I would actually, if I could afford it, I think I'd actually lease one and deal with the headaches because it is so good. So I think if, if enthusiasts can say, all right, it's so good to drive, but it's a nightmare reliably, I'll get one anyway, because it's just so good to drive. I think people will be able to say, okay, the M4 is so good to drive. It looks weird. But who cares? And I think the M4 is going to be the only 4 Series that's going to have that sort of, you know, excellence. That sort of ability to get people to overlook its funky design. I think it's going to be the only one with the substance. That's that's what I'm saying. The substance to, to do so. The substance to overlook the, the design. I think it's really going to be able to do that. Because it's a special car. Twin turbo, straight six, and a two-door BMW, the six-speed and rear-wheel drive, sign me up. That's all you got to say, right? Sign me up. And every... every Car enthusiasts in the world would sign up for something like that. So, you know, if BMW can nail the execution, which I think they should be able to, that's going to be one hell of a car, and I can't wait. I can't wait to see it. I can't wait to drive it. Staying on the topic of the M division, though, I'm going to move on to a different car. A car that I'm extremely excited to see, but for entirely different reasons. And that's the upcoming X8. So we know that BMW uh, filed for trademarks for the X8 recently. That was in the news Uh, earlier in the week and it kind of caused a bit of a stir. Now we've known the X8's been coming for a while. Now to start this I want to uh, rewind quite a bit and rewind all the way back to last summer. Uh, I went to M-Fest in Canada and I was able to interview uh, BMW M CEO Marcus Flash and while I was there I asked him very specifically about the idea of a bespoke M car. A standalone M car not based on any pre-existing BMW product and I asked him if that was likely. He said it was not only likely, it was almost a certainty. So I was very excited about that. And so was every other M fan. Now, when he first told me that, my mind was racing and then I posted it online and everyone else's mind was racing. We're all, our heads were going, all our wheels were turning, right? Wanted to know what would it be? BMW's gonna make an M car? Like a bespoke M car? Something that isn't based on a BMW? Like not an M3 or an M4, but something just M? What the hell could it be? So everyone kind of jumped to the immediate conclusion, it's going to be a small sports car, right? It's going to be a, going to be a Porsche Cayman fighter. Maybe it'll even be mid-engine. Everyone was getting all excited about it. Um, and it turns out, nope, that's not the case. It's going to be a big, hulking SUV. And we've known this for a little while, that the X8 was coming. And it was going to be BMW's standalone M car. And I don't know if it's going to be called the X8 or the X8M or whatever it's going to be called, but it's going to be an X8, Right. And it's not going to be based on the X6 or the X7 or the X5 or anything like that. It's going to be its own thing. And we know it's going to be very big and heavy, but it's also going to be very fast, very, very powerful. It's going to be BMW M's most expensive car, most premium car, most luxurious car, and probably most powerful car. Um, From what we understand, it's going to have a revised version of the twin-turbo V8 that powers the M5 and the M8 and all that stuff. Um, now we don't know power wise, but it's most likely going to be more powerful than those cars. Maybe it's like only a little bit, maybe it's only like 650 horsepower versus the 625 in the uh, M8, but either way, it's going to be the most powerful M car ever made. And here's the most important part. It's going to be the most expensive. Here's where the conversation gets interesting. And here's where it's, it's what I wanted to talk about. And it's, it's where the, the price is going to make or break the X8 and it's going to make or break bespoke M cars from from here on. So, from what we understand, the X8M is going to start at around 180,000 euros, which is $200,000 US. That's very expensive. That's the most expensive car BMW has ever made. Um, and, like, not just M, all of BMW would be the most expensive new car BMW ever sold. Now, that's really interesting, because at that price point, it's flirting, quite dangerously so, flirting with the Aston Martin DBX and the Lamborghini Urus and the Bentley Bentayga and SUVs like that that have more brand prestige than BMW does. Now, that might upset a lot of BMW enthusiasts who think that BMW is the greatest company in the world. And BMW is a wonderful company, and I love, I love BMW and its cars, but it does not have the brand prestige of Aston Martin. It just doesn't. If you have $200,000 to spend on an SUV, and you can buy either a BMW or an Aston Martin, the choice was almost always going to be the latter. Why? Because it's an Aston effing Martin. That's why. It's what James Bond drives. You know, the lady down my street has a BMW 330i. She doesn't know anything about driving, but she has a lease 330i. James Bond doesn't drive a BMW 330i. He drove other BMWs in the past, but you know what I mean? Aston Martin has that, that crazy brand prestige, that that it's, a, it's, a, it's one of the elites, it's Aston Martin. So if you can get a DBX or an X8, I have a feeling most people are going to choose a DBX. Performance aside, performance forget performance. It's, it's not, it doesn't matter at that point. Does it really matter at that point? They're both giant, heavy SUVs. And I've seen what the Aston can do anyway. It's a pretty impressive SUV, and it looks fantastic. So the X8 is going to have its hands full, taking on cars like the Aston Martin DBX, and the Lamborghini Urus now admittedly the Lamborghini is more expensive it's you know more close to three hundred thousand dollars and in a lot of cases over three hundred thousand dollars but at 200 grand to start with options now you're flirting with close to 250 right because everything with BMW is a package with you know eight million things you know you want something small extra and you have to package it in with something that's eight thousand dollars you know for the whole package and that's how it's gonna work with the M car and, and and as cars get more expensive those packages get more expensive so uh, with BMW, I expect that it'll start at 200 grand, but it's going to flirt dangerously with $250,000, and then now you're talking Aston DBX and Lamborghini Urus. Um, and Bentley Bentayga, don't forget about the Bentley. Bentley's not as high-performance, but you can get a V8 Bentley for under 300 grand, and it's a Bentley. And yeah, BMW fans will say, oh, well, you know, it's got Audi bits on the inside. But it does, but it's still lovely. It's still absolutely wonderful on the inside, and it's an effing Bentley it just the, the name alone is going to sell so much and it does so i think that 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 flirts too dangerously that, that price tag flirts too dangerously with competition that i don't know if bmw can handle now here's the here's where that gets here's where that that price is a positive for bmw so bmw m this is the first time it's ever making a bespoke car it's the first time it's ever going to make something not based on a pre-existing bmw and it's going to be very expensive to make, to develop, because it's going to be based on... I don't know if they're going to start with a, uh, a ground-up chassis, or they're going to base it off of, you know, the architect, CLAR architecture that uh, BMW uses for basically everything right now. Um, I don't know how that's going to work. But it's still not going to be based on a pre-existing car. Like, typically, M has you know a 3-series or a 5-series to work with, and they just slap M bits to it, and they t- retune it and redesign it. But they've never... Entirely designed a body, entirely designed a full chassis, um, you know, suspension geometry from the ground up, and they've never done any of this before. It's always been working on pre-existing cars, so it's it's very expensive, and BMW Group no doubt has them on a short leash. They no doubt have the M engineers on a very short leash, saying, "Okay, this needs to cost this much money, it needs to make this much money, and it needs to sell in this this quantity," right? So. If it doesn't hit those marks, there's a good chance there's never another BM- a bespoke BMW M car. There's a good chance that if it doesn't sell well or do well or isn't received well, that BMW Group sort of pulls the plug on this little experiment. And if that happens, we can say bye-bye to the chances of anything smaller and lighter like a mid-engine Cayman fighter. But this is where the... the so when you hear that, you go, okay, that, maybe it's a bad idea to, to make an SUV that expensive. However, where that's a positive is SUVs have really high profit margins, especially really expensive ones, because, you know, relatively, SUVs aren't that much more expensive to make than sedans, so, but you can charge more for them, so the profit margins are higher. Now, at $200,000, that's a pretty hefty profit margin, because it doesn't cost $200,000 to make, obviously, it's a pretty hefty profit margin. So if BMW M can make a lot of money on this, maybe the design is so wild and the performance is so crazy that it does actually sell pretty well and BMW M can make a lot of profit on it, maybe the BMW group says, all right, good job with that. Now you you can make something else. Now you can make what you really wanted, which was the small, tiny, lightweight sports car. To do that, I think the X8 is gonna have to be crazy. I think it's gonna have to be insane. I think it's gonna have to be extremely fast, but not, but more important than that, like, insane. It's going to need to handle ridiculously. It's going to need to have a two-wheel drive mode even though it's an SUV. It's going to have to look radical and wild and kind of psychotic. It's going to have, it's going to have to have something that the other cars don't. You know, the Aston Martin is suave and sexy and sophisticated. The Lamborghini Urus is, you know, a bull ride with four wheels. And the Bentley Bentayga is extremely luxurious. It's going to have to be different. It's going to have to be motorsport inspired. It's going to have to be, like, look like something that you know deserves to be on a track. If it can be that, if it can be something truly insane, I think it can sell really well. And if it does sell really well, well then BMW M is golden, because that is going to make them a ton of money. And the BMW Group is going to say, well, we like those big fat profit margins. You know, the penny pushers up in Munich are going to be very, very, very happy. And if they're very, very happy, then we're going to be very happy because that means BMW M is going to be able to have a longer leash and they're going to be able to say, okay, now we can make something that's really fun. Now we can make something small, lightweight, bespoke, something designed purely for performance. And I think that's very, very, very exciting. Now there's also another aspect of the X8 that I want to talk about. um, And that really comes down to why it's an X8 and not a small sports car. So... Yes, we know that BMW M wants, or BMW Group is going to want higher profit margins, um, and SUVs offer them that. However, there's also another reason, and I think it's going to be due to electrification. So BMW Group, and now Harashio said this for a long time, that BMW is often like Apple. You know, it's not always, you know, inventing new technologies. Now I'm not saying BMW hasn't invented new technologies or hasn't been a pioneer in the industry because it has at times, but it's not always the one to do that. Oftentimes BMW likes to kind of sit back and wait, watch the market, watch how tech develops and say, okay, let's wait till that develops. Let's wait till that works well, and then we'll use it. And then we'll perfect it. That's sort of how BMW likes to to operate. Um, says that all the time. Now the M division has said, and Marcus Flash has said this himself, that electrification opens more doors than it closes. You know, a lot of fans think electrification is going to ruin performance cars and sports cars. Most engineers think the exact opposite. In fact, Marcus Flash is very optimistic about electrification, hybrids and electric tech. Um, The problem is he thinks that at least the entire M division feels that it's just not there yet. The tech isn't there yet for all sorts of reasons. Weight, charging, you know, power to weight ratios, all that stuff. That's just not there yet. So the M division doesn't really want to invest in electric tech because it doesn't think that the technology is good enough for an M car just yet. So it wants to wait until you know some more significant steps in that uh, realm are taken, and likely taken by the BMW group first, and then the M division will adopt them. Um, however, having said that, if BMW M is going to test the waters, the electrified waters, if you will, uh, an SUV is the perfect place to do it. Because... SUVs are far easier to electrify than a sedan. It's especially a bespoke one. So you take a a typical pre-existing sedan or Coupe or whatever, and you try to stuff it with batteries and electric motors, and you're going to run into packaging issues, which increases the cost of development. You're going to run into all sorts of issues, Not, not just packaging, but weight, and then you have to lighten other things, and you know you have to stuff electric motors in there, and you have to run, well, you know, extra all sorts of different wiring and hook up charging systems, and it's just it's so much extra effort to to take a existing internal combustion engine car and turn it into an electric car or hybrid um, when it wasn't designed for that sort of thing, so that adds cost. But when you have a bespoke SUV, which is SUVs are easier to package, you know, hybrid tech anyway, electrified tech anyway, because they're they're bigger, it's just physically easier to package all that stuff in there. Um, but when you take a bespoke one, one that wasn't based on a pre-existing uh, internal combustion engine, now you have a you know a blank slate, so to speak, and you can much far more easily stuff hybrid technology, batteries, electric motors, all that stuff into this SUV, this this X Eight, and now you have a cheaper way to do it and a better way to try. So it it could be a much easier way for BMW M to test those electrified waters a little bit to say okay. We want to op- we want to work with electric technology. We want to get better at it. We want to get experience at it. So, you know, we're good at using it prior to putting it in something like an M4 or an M5. Let's test it out on something maybe a little bit more low risk, which is the X8. Because if you were to try a hybrid M5, that could lead to some problems, right? Because if it's not excellent, you're going to kind of ruin the M5 name a little bit or the M3. But if you try it on an X8 that doesn't have any history, it doesn't have any, you know, preconceived notions of excellence, you can kind of fudge up a little bit, you can mess up a little bit and it doesn't have to be, you know, the most amazing performance car in the world because no one's ever driven an X8 before. So if it's a hybrid one and it's, you know, it it gives BMW M a better platform with which to experiment. And I think that's a big reason as to why uh, it's an X8 and not something smaller. Because we've heard whispers and rumors that there is going to be a hybrid version of it, and maybe there's no other version. Maybe it's only going to be a hybrid. Maybe there's going to be both. But either way, being a bespoke M car, uh, it was planned for that from the ground up. You know, BMW accounted for hybrid tech from from the beginning, so that its chassis and everything is developed with hybrid tech in mind. And there's no struggle trying to fit it in. It all is going to fit in nicely. Uh, there's going to be no packaging issues, which you know, there's, so there's going to be no cost issues. And it's going to work better. It's going to be a more cohesive package, and I think that's very important. And I think that's has to be a big. I'm no expert, you know. I, I don't have, you know, inside knowledge, and you know, I'm, again, I'm not an engineer or anything, so I don't. I'm not an expert, but um, I, I think that's a big reason as to why the M division has gone with the X8, and rather than something like Cayman fighter or something like that. However, again, if this works. And the X8's a success and it's a hybrid. Well, now a lot of doors are open for BMW M. Now BMW M can make a lot of things. They can make high, little tiny sports cars because the leash is much longer for them now, so they can make little tiny sports cars and maybe hybrid M5s or something in the future. So I think that that's very interesting. And I think that this is a very pivotal car for BMW because the entire success of or the entire you know future of bespoke M cars hinges on the x8 success if it's a failure bmw group is probably going to say let's not do that again that was an interesting experiment let's not try it again and if it's a success, if it's a success excuse me then uh then we have a big future for interesting cars we have things like a you know possible you know m4 cayman fighter thing something maybe even mid-engine that would be amazing right so i think if we want those cars we have to root hard for the x8 we have to want it to succeed um, I don't like that that's what it's going to be. I don't like that the first bespoke M car is going to be a big, gigantic SUV. I think that's a that kind of goes against everything that the M division stands for. But if that's the price we have to pay for a mid-engine M car that isn't based on another BMW, it's a price I'm willing to pay. I mean, I don't really have to pay anything. I just have to watch it. But, you know, it's, it's I think it's a price that BMW M should pay. I think if that's what it takes, that's it's well worth it i think it's well worth seeing a x8m that you know is the size of a building and weighs as you know twice as much um i think that's well worth it as long as we get what we want in the end which is you know a tiny little m car that's fast and fun and you know prioritizes you know the dynamism as the germans always say in their press briefings the dynamism as long as it it, uh prioritizes that over you know, power or cost or, you know, prestige or, you know, luxury, then it was well worth the X8M. So I'm really interested to see it. I'm really excited about it. It's a very interesting car. It's, it's, it's so, there's so many dynamics to not just the car itself, but why it exists and what it's going to be and what it means for BMW. There's just so much in it that I just can't wait to see it, you know again, would I prefer BMW to make something smaller and fun? Absolutely. Absolutely. I wish that was the case, but I understand why they're going in the direction they're going, and I I, I can't wait to see it. I just can't wait to see what it is. I'm so fascinated by it. So, yeah, I think it's going to be really fascinating, like, year or two for BMW, because there's a lot of interesting cars coming. Not just that, but the uh, aforementioned i4 and things like that are going to be really interesting. The iNext coming out. BMW is changing quite a bit in the next couple of years, and it's going to be really really interesting to watch um but that's all we have for this week uh i hope you like this new platform with the the video as well um you know again you can listen to all you know listen to this on all of our uh, streaming channels but you know go to our youtube channel as well bmw blog and uh, you can watch our podcast so if you if you're a listener you can watch it if you're watching you can also listen so uh, I hope you liked this. Uh, we're going to try to get some more guests on the next, couple, the next couple of weeks. Things have been pretty crazy, as you can imagine. Um, and we have a couple of guests lined up. We're just working on scheduling. And, you know, we want to try to get, like, Zoom working and stuff like that. So we want to do that. And, and, you know, it's just kind of hard to, to schedule and to, um, to get working right. So we're going to work on that in the next coming weeks. So I hope we have some more guests on for you. And I hope, you, I hope you, uh, you know, you're listening and watching. And I hope you enjoyed it. So stay tuned for next week.